that doesn't happen. So I've been talking, and I, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer by heart. And so one of the things for me is, it's like, I don't know if I'm done planting churches. Not that I want to leave y'all, but if God, Ben's like, you're not going. He, every time I say that, you're not going. I may never go, but I want to be open to the idea of planting a church. And so like I said, I'm a dreamer, and I want to go out one day, and I want to plant a church, and I want it to be an exciting thing. I want us to be fired up. I want us to go out with all like the, the visions and the missions and seeing the, your faces but on new people. But then I want us to settle in. I want us to start to withdraw. I want us to speak Christianese, like he was saying. And I want us to isolate and I want us to protect because if we risk too much, we could get hurt. Does that sound like a good dream to any of you? Who would sign up for a church plant like that? Not a single person here. But sadly, that's where our churches can become if we're not careful. And over the years, like I fought, and I, one of the things Corey Trimble says in his book, and I think in some of his videos, is that like he doesn't like Christian music that much and Christian movies because it's not done well, but it also kind of isolates us from the world. And when we become churchy, we stop being real. You know, I went to a, a religious college before I became a Christian, Missouri Baptist, and there are a lot of good people there. But when I, when I walked into their assemblies, everyone have it, had it all together. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm blessed. And when I walked in, I didn't think I could fit in. I didn't think I could belong because I was not fine. I was not okay. And I was not blessed. I was a wreck. I didn't think I belonged there. And then when I saw a group of people, okay, at CrossChat, talking about porn addiction, talking about sexual abuse. One of the first cross chats I ever went to, I was telling this story the other day, we're in Carrie's front lawn in his house in O'Fallon, legit boxing gloves on, headgear on. My sister, it was her first cross chat, and she's beating the tar out of a girl in Carrie's front yard. I mean, they're like, and then they get up and they hug, and I'm like, what are these people doing? Right? And so we get in, and I'm just like, this is crazy. But we can also, one of the things is, is when, when we start to protect what we are and we're not authentic, we can wear masks, right? And wearing masks aren't reserved for a pandemic. Some of you have been wearing masks for much longer than that. You've stopped sharing who you are. You've stopped sharing what Christ has done in your life. You've protected parts of you. And the kingdom doesn't work like that. And filters aren't reserved just for Snapchat. Some of you guys have been doing filters much longer than that. And the result is we aren't authentic. As much as we don't want to become those churches that their doors are closing every day because they've stopped being real, we can very easily slip into that. Because just like none of us would go on a church plant one day, and say that's what we wanted to become, that church that's reserved and speaks Christianese and is isolated, if we're not careful, we can subtly and slowly head down that path. So over the years, the church has dropped the ball. And I don't want our churches to become that. I don't want our section of the kingdom to become a church that's dropped the ball and stopped being real. I want our church to continue to have a preacher that talks about sexual abuse like almost every week from the stage. 
another one who talks about being suicidal and on the edge of his rope all the time from the stage. Same thing at Collinsville. I know Wes talks about his abuse and his stuff. And I know Mackie talks about his, and I want our leaders, and I want our college students. I want it to flow from the top down because God has made such an impact on our lives that we can't help but being real. So the authentic, the authentic experience. We're going to go over this book in a few weeks in our small groups, and that's a really good thing. It's an easy read. Sometimes when I get books, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is going to be deep. This is not deep. It'd be like you sitting across the table from the author having a conversation. That's how easy of a read it is. And it's awesome, and it's convicting, and it's powerful. So in order to create an authentic experience in the kingdom within our churches, it's got to start with us. We must be authentic. So to build God's kingdom, we must be authentic. God's kingdom is about relationship building, one soul at a time. He, Corey last night said building bridges, one soul at a time. At first, it started with you. You met someone because God's plan is to speak through people and connect people to people and those people to the word. So it started with you, and then you got connected with God. And then once you were connected with God, you, your job is to go out to connect other people to God, to help them to connect other people to God, and so on and so forth. So you must first be authentic with God. you got to be real with God. If you aren't authentic with God and real with where you are, you will never connect with him. Have you ever wondered what God asks you to, co- to confess to him? Do you think that if you don't confess to God that your sin is hidden from him? No, he sees, he knows anyway. God knows, I think it's for you. God knows it's for you. God knows that if you can be authentic with him, the Almighty, that you can be authentic with the people around you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. For when I am authentic and real with where I am, God is strong. If I'm never authentic, if I'm never weak, do I need Christ to be strong in my life? Is there any need for Christ at that point? I talk a lot. I feel like every lesson I get is out of weakness. I really do because I'm, I feel like I'm such a weak person. And I have no problem getting up and talking about the fighting and the drugs in my house and the lying that I've done and the drunk driving that I've done and the people that I've hurt. Because you guys need to see, I was a wreck. Before God got out of my life, I was an utter disaster. And the man that you see today has nothing to do with any talent that God's blessed me with, anything else. It's that Christ has done a number in my heart and in my life. Because I am weak and Christ is strong. And if Christ isn't strong in my life, the people who see me, why would they even need Christ? Well, if he can get it all together without Christ, I can get it together without Christ. Or maybe I can just go to church on Sundays and kind of do the thing and go through the motions. But I don't need Christ in my life. Not in a life-changing way. Not in a heart-changing way. So we need to be authentic. And I need to say this before I turn this over to Maria. It's okay to be real. To be authentic. And then that verse when he's saying that when you're weak, I am strong. God's saying, I got you because I made you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God numbered the hairs on your head. He took a little less time with Carrie and RJ and Evan and Ryan. 
right? <laughs> but even in the, the few hairs that he gave Evan, he fearfully and wonderfully made a man whose heart is solid gold, who would stop and serve anyone at the drop of a hat. And he made you unique too. Singer on a church plant, Holly? One. One Holly. My loud Bianca. Bubbly. He made one you. Jake, Theo, Darius, all my interbelt people. He made one you to be you, no one else. And you need to be authentic. And when I look at our church plants and our future church plants and our kids, he made one of you. And you need to be you. And you need to be authentic. Because you're going to reach someone that I can't. And if I'm trying to be Evan, I may miss the person that God designed me to be to reach. And that's okay. If you're a nerd, be a nerd. Be a nerd that loves Jesus. If you love music, be a music lover that loves Jesus. If you play sports, if you play chess, if you're an artist, if you're a singer, if you think you don't have any interest at all, be you but love Jesus and be authentic with where you are. The simple truth, if you aren't authentic with others and where you are and where you've been, you will never truly connect others to him. So in looking at our authenticity, we have to look at ourselves first. Not other people, but us. A lot of our relationship problems that we think about, we can blame other people or always come up with some kind of excuse, some kind of situation. But they're not really relationship problems per se. They're your own personal problems that just spill into those relationships. They're internal battles. And God says if we want to have these great relationships, we've got to start with some changes in ourselves first. The Bible says in Romans 12, 9 in the message, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. I love that version. Don't fake it. He's talking here about authenticity. Love from what you're really like in your heart, and don't fake that stuff. It's very apparent. You're not fooling other people. Um, everything comes to the light eventually, as we see in Luke 12, 2 through 3. And living like this is just exhausting. It is so exhausting, and I'm sure very many of you know what I'm talking about. Are you exhausted all the time? This might be a huge part of your problem, a lack of authenticity. Um, you may not even realize necessarily that you're lacking in this. Maybe you're fooling yourself right now. That's a huge part of it too. But remember in Luke 12, everything comes to the light eventually. So maybe you don't even realize it right now. Or maybe you do just a little bit, but you think it's not that bad. But it's going to keep coming to the light. You can't avoid that. Because of this, that's a good thing. That has to happen. A lot of times we try to avoid that. It's almost like, you know when you feel really, really sick and you feel like you have to throw up? I hate throwing up so much. I will, like, be miserable for hours and hours and hours and hours just so I don't have to throw up. It's, but you know when you do... Oh, I hate it. It's so bad. But you know when you do, you feel so much better, at least for a little while afterwards. But it's like that with this, too. The longer that we try to avoid being authentic, you're just sick to your stomach over and over and over and over again, and you're just prolonging it more and more and more. But if you just vomit all that stuff up and just try to get out all the crap, you're not fooling anybody else anymore. You're not fooling yourself. You're certainly not fooling God like what TC talked about because he already knows, and it's going to come to the light. Because of this... 
um, when you're trying to avoid this authenticity, you're just really missing on a lot of foundational aspects of your relationship with God and other people. So you have to dig into this battle of being authentic, and believe me, it is worth the work. Um, I believe for myself that the environment that I grew up in had a huge factor of this for me. I was raised in a family where there was a lot of sexual abuse on one side and a lot of mental illness on the other side. So my parents weren't really taught how to live authentically. They didn't understand. They were actually taught to stuff things down. And then being raised by hurt people that went through those things hurt me too and taught me how to live that way. I'm sure almost all of you can understand that to some degree. Um, I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. So I was this quiet, insecure little girl with thick glasses and Walmart clothes when they were entirely not cute. We don't need to hear it from you, shut up. (laughs) I got pictures if you want to see them. Oh gosh. Uh, I, I had to learn at an early age how to hide my heart and how to not just lay it all out there. And as I grew up, I learned how to play the game even more. Um, starting in high school, and I know almost every single person in here can relate to this in some way. I really didn't want people to know the real me, the real hurts that I had, the thoughts that I had, um, just the fear, the anger, the confusion, like all of that stuff. I wanted them to see somebody that was really put together, really smart, really really artistic, (laughs) Um, just all of that stuff, really flirty. I could make myself whoever I wanted to be. And I prided myself in that. But that brought a lot of my destruction and really, really tore me down. It left huge, shallow spots in my heart. So then being introduced into a relationship with God in college, it truly did change my life. But I also had to learn that my struggles and hurts would need to take time to heal and reveal those deeper layers. It takes time to go through that stuff. And that is a good thing. Um, We can't handle it all at one time. Um, My relationships weren't what they could be. They weren't truly authentic. And that was something that I was very deceived in. I deceived myself. I thought, oh my gosh, I have this amazing, like new, brand new relationship with God now. Like everything's just going to fall into line. Like you're going to be perfect in all of this stuff. And I had to learn that trying to be perfect in that kind of way and portray myself in that way and desire perfection in that way was not where it was at. It was not leading me to authenticity with God and with the people around me that were just begging to know who I was. And I was so scared I didn't know how to do that. If you want to be authentic in your love for God and other people, it's when you see what you get. You're not phony. You're not a hypocrite. Your image and your character are actually the same thing. And it took me a really, really long time to learn that lesson. I tried so hard to have some kind of image, like I said, of somebody that was so put together, that could deal with things, that was changed and was growing and was the brand new baby Christian on a church plant and all this stuff that was so like, oh, look at me. And it, it, that wasn't helping. I, I was fooling myself. There wasn't true authenticity there in the way that God really wanted for my life. And it was a joke. And when your image and your character are not exactly the same thing, you are living the life of a joke. That is fake. That is truly fake. So we want to fight for that authenticity and not being fake. Um, a lot of times we, are, we wear masks, like what TC talked about. We're all guilty of this. We play all the different angles and all the different roles. And I don't mean wearing different hats. I know that can be very confusing. 
a lot of us have, especially as you grow up, have different responsibilities and a lot of things that we're in charge of. And that's not what I'm talking about because you can have different hats and different roles in that kind of thing in responsibility in trying to help and serve and love in various areas of your life and for other people. I'm talking about like literally like almost flipping a switch like, okay, around these people, I'm this kind of person not because of God, but because of your insecurities or people-pleasing or whatever it is. And around this group of people, I'm this person, and to myself, I'm this person, and then to my family, I can freak out and blow up. Like, whatever is happening, that is not authenticity entirely. And a lot of that happens, those masks, we wear those because we want to uphold this image. A lot of times it can be rooted in fear, Fear is behind a major, uh, just a huge majority of our relationship problems. And fear is just as old as mankind. When God put Adam and Eve on the earth, they blew it. We know that. And sin entered the world. And fear also entered the world. Adam says in Genesis 3, I was afraid, so I hid. And mankind has been hiding from women (laughs) ever since. And we've been hiding from each other ever since. And we actually, we, we try to hide from God very unsuccessfully. And we try to hide from each other. We try to hide our faults and our feelings and our failures. And we just keep switching out masks. This is my Tuesday mask. This is my I'm at the gym mask. And, you know, like we said, we're not talking about COVID masks. We're talking about, like, theater masks of changing who, who you are and not being authentic. And this fear is just a destroyer of good relationships. If you're ever going to build healthy relationships, you have to do the dirty work and deal with this stuff. You have to fight through and deal with these fundamental fears and bring them out to the light. All right. So where we go from here, we have three fundamental fears that we're going to talk about. And then within each fear, the, the, those fears that destroy authenticity, we're going to have like a cure for that fear. So the first fear that you guys need to deal is I must deal with the fear of exposure. I must deal with my fear of exposure, of being exposed. So one of, so Maria's probably going to, she'll probably correct me here. She doesn't know I'm doing this. But I have a video clip that illustrates this point perfectly. And it's from one of Maria's favorite movies, The Wizard of Oz. All right? It's, one of her, it's the first movie in color, right? Or Technicolor, right? Something like that. Barely, right? But uh, it's a movie, the girl in Kansas, she gets swept up by a tornado. She ends up in this uh, magical land of Oz. And in order to get home, she's got to find this great and powerful Oz. And when she finds this great and powerful Oz, here's what happens. Imagine the Wizard of Oz without Over the Rainbow? Well, it almost happened. When we come back, we'll have the incredible story of the movie classic that almost wasn't. Wrong clip. I don't know what happened. But anyway, all right, so (laughs) it's not the crossings without a technical problem, right? Um, So flip the light back on. So she gets in, and they find this Oz, and there's like Zordon from the Power Rangers, right? This big face up on the wall. And he's like, I am the great and powerful Oz. And they're scared because it's this really intimidating figure up on the wall. And her little dog, Toto, right? This little, almost looks like, um, what's your dog, Ashley? What's your dog's name? Toby, Toby, right? A little Toby-like dog, 
runs up and pulls this curtain back, and you see this old, frail man, and he's working these dials, and he's in this microphone. He's like, I am the great and powerful Ozan, and he looks over, and he sees that, they, that he's exposed, and he's like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, he's, like, trying to, like, save his image, and he's been exposed as this hack, as this fraud, as not this great and powerful being, but as a frail old man. And in our lives, we do that. We present this image. I'm the cool kid, or I'm the one that kind of pushes myself aside. I'm the athlete. I'm a singer. I'm whatever, whatever that talent maybe that God's given you. And we do all of these things in our lives to preserve this image. Because the worst thing for us is being exposed. If someone finds out that this painful thing happened to me, that I was abused, that um, I, uh, I know some people were into self-harm. If I self-harm me, no one will love me. No one will care for me. If they know that I have this addiction, porn, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, that if I, like for me, like one of the things that's painful is, is my dad would beat my mom. There's times I was in the room for it. And I didn't want people to find that out. I grew up, I lived in a trailer. One of the trailers had like holes in the floor and I didn't ever have my friends over. Another trailer was a nicer trailer. We moved on up, right? But still, if you go to Zumont West, right, or you know the area, you got Turtle Creek and you got a ton of really nice houses there. And then you got some trailer parks. And if you were the boy from the trailer park, you got made fun of for it. Now that stopped after I got good at wrestling. Surprise, surprise. But I was still afraid of people knowing where I lived. And I didn't want to be exposed. I didn't want people to find out who I was to uncover the real me. But we don't mind when our strengths are exposed, right? The things that we're good at. Look how good I am, how strong, how smart, how funny. We don't mind these things, but it's our weaknesses that we're worried about. Our insecurities. The sense of an inadequacy. Who feels inadequate? You don't have to raise your hand. But feels like they can't do it. That they're not enough. It's part of being human. Part of the human condition is, is a sense of inadequacy because we're not God. We try to be God, but we're not. The truth is, is that nobody has it all together. Even the coolest kid in school doesn't have it all together. Even that one with the picture-perfect image doesn't have it all together. I hear stories of Ashley Catazon in high school pretty girl, great singer, had friends, went through it. She didn't have it all together. I know for me, I was a wrestler, and at a point, people thought I had it all together, but my home life was a wreck. My wife's going to talk about things from her life. Your youth leaders, your small group leaders, no one has it all together. So why are we all able to wear masks? And 1 Corinthians 2.11 says this, no one really knows what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. No one really knows what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. We do that because we can con people because no one, was go, go, no one knows what goes on in our minds. I am who I tell you I am. But here's the deal. You don't know yourself as good as you think you do. So you're really conning yourself. You're not being real with yourself because the only one who really knows you in this entire universe is God. 
And God says that in due time, everything will be exposed, whether you want it to or not. So should you fear something that's going to happen eventually? Or should you embrace it? And you know what? I am who I am. God made me to be me, scars and all. And that's okay. Right? Proverbs 26, 23 in the Good News Bible says, Insincere talk that hides what you're really thinking is like a fine glaze on a cheap pot. So a pretty glaze can make any pot look good. It can look expensive, authentic, antique, but it's still just a cheap dollar store pot. It's like fake sneaks or designer fashion. We know whatever is on the surface isn't necessarily the reality or what it's worth, and that's what insincere talk is like. You might look good on the surface, but it is not reality. And just like TC said, it's like those Snapchat filters. We can present ourselves any way we want, And we live in a world now, we all know this, where emotional and mental struggles are at an all-time high. But also, so are things that we can change about ourselves with filters and the way we take our selfies and what we put on social media. We can control that stuff, but we're more out of control than ever. That's what happens in our relationships, and that's why we fear getting close to people. It's because when we're close up to people, they see our flaws, they see our weaknesses. Far away, we can look pretty good, just like what our profile picture is. But we all know that that can be so vastly different than what we see in real life. And the reality of our hearts and our relationships shine so much brighter than any of those filters. Um, That's what happens in relationships when we don't like getting close to each other. Anytime you meet somebody who's distant, um, it... That doesn't mean that they're always cool and calm and collected on the inside. A lot of times it means they're scared to death and they're just trying to hide it or they don't know how to express that. So we we can think that that this lack of authenticity or distance can show up in very specific ways. It's so easy to look at someone and be like, oh, no, yeah, that's what that looks like. Not me. It doesn't look like me. Or it might look like that there, like like that person that doesn't talk to anybody, or it might look like the person that talks too much, or the person that jokes all the time, or the person that can never take a joke. We can always point our finger at somebody else so we don't have to look at ourselves for what we need to look at with our change. Fear of commitment is another huge relationship issue. It's not the fear of commitment itself, but of us being exposed. That's what happens there. Because if I commit and I get close, And I know if we get close, you're going to see a whole lot more than I want you to, a whole lot more than I'm comfortable with. And beneath that that image that we're making that we're trying to perfect, sometimes we're just scared little girls and scared little boys. No matter how old you get, you revert back to that scared little girl or scared little boy. And I know everybody in here knows what that feels like. Um, Sometimes I'm insecure and I have inadequacies like everybody else in the world and I can't get it together. So it's easier to keep, keep you at a distance. If, if this is what I do, then I don't, I don't have to feel it. I don't have to get hurt. And like I said earlier, that's never going to produce anything that's, that's just vastly life-changing for you or anybody else. And um, I know I can relate to this. I totally felt like that cheap pot trying to cover up what, what I thought that I needed to look like and the things that I didn't like. And like I said, I learned at a young age to keep people at arm's length like TC said, I, well, I grew up in a trailer too, 
and my parents were on public aid and I, I had these huge glasses and was just incredibly shy and awkward and I didn't want anybody to know that stuff. It scared me to death. My dad went to the hospital several times because he needed some help and I didn't want people to know that either. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And that's the kind of stuff we all have our own story that we can use to keep people at arm's length. All right, so every cross chat, right? Every cross chat, or almost every cross chat lesson we have, has the question. You all know what that question is. That question is, is like, you have two options. I can be real with where I am, or I can keep my mouth shut and not say anything. That question is designed to show how weak you are, but how strong Christ has been in your life. It's designed for what you to share one of your hurts, one of your scars, one of your wounds, and you trust the people around you. How many of you ever gotten to that question and wanted so badly to say something and then you just stopped and you didn't say it? Right? And every hand in here could go up. That question is designed for you to be authentic and to be real. But when you don't share that, you might be robbing someone who doesn't know Jesus from a chance to get to know him. Maybe they connect with your story. I can't tell you how many times after a cross chat I've been driving a guy home, especially when I was on the team yesterday and I gave a whole lot more rides. And we'd be talking about the lesson and I'd be talking about my dad beat my mom or my dad running out or when my dad was out, a new guy would be in the house. I would be talking about something like that and I would look over and there would just be tears running down their face because they had gone through the same thing. And that can be you guys. And not to glorify you, but to glorify God. You have to be authentic. That's how you build relationships with people to help them build a relationship with Jesus. Be real. Be authentic. We can impress from a distance, but we can only influence from up close. We can impress from a distance, but we can only influence people when we let them close enough to us. And we love to keep our image. We work really, really hard for it. We got to bust that down. It's like on the job interview or on a resume where we pat it. I had a buddy that in high school that used to, he had a new job like every other week. And he was like, hey, you want to learn how to do a resume or fill out an application? And I forget the place he was filling out the application for. But I was like, hey, dude, didn't you work at Subway one time? And he said, yeah, I put down sandwich engineer. <laughs> now, for my engineer friend back there, that's kind of a slap in the face to all engineers, right? But he wanted to pad the resume and try to make it look better. I don't think he got the job because any boss worth two cents isn't going to hire a sandwich engineer and be impressed by that. But the first key to destroying that fear of exposure and to being authentic is, is I must live in God's light. I must live in God's light. That means to live honestly, the light of truth. Hey, Audrey, I didn't tell her I was going to do this. Hey, remember this week whenever we, you helped me put the Christmas tree upstairs? Yeah. You and Emmett got up into the attic, right? What was the first thing you asked for? Do you remember? Could you see anything? So what did you need to ask for? A flashlight? Yeah, a flashlight, right? They're like, Dad, we need a flashlight. We can't see anything. Because when you shine a light on things, it exposes it. 
And God's light is like that. When we live in God's light, it brings all of our weaknesses and all of our flaws right to the surface. And people can see that. And that's a good thing. In 1 John 1, 7, if we live in the light as God is in the light, then we can share fellowship with each other. If you've got a Bible or you've got some notes, write down the word fellowship. Circle it, underline it, whatever you need to do. Fellowship is the soul-to-soul interaction, heart-to-heart. It's more than just sharing a meal and hanging out together. It's a deep level of relationship. It's an intimate connection. So the key to genuine fellowship in a marriage, in a friendship, or any other relationship is to live in the light. And circle that word light. We must live in the light. And that's exact opposite of what the world teaches, right? The world says intimacy occurs in the dark. And we think intimacy is one thing. But intimacy is so much more than that. We were at a marriage retreat, I don't know, 10 years ago. Something, Joe Beam was there. And he defined intimacy as into me you see. I'm letting you see into my life. And there's a closeness there. If I never shared with my guys and they thought I was perfect, they would not connect with me at all. I try to be weak, I try to be humble, and I try to be real with them. We cannot hide our faults. In Ephesians 5.13, when things are brought out into the light, then their true nature is clearly revealed. Have you ever noticed bright light can kind of make you look ugly sometimes? I'd much rather a dim room, right? Does it make all this look good? Right, but these lights on me, I'm like, oh man, they're seeing the age, they're seeing everything, and that's okay. Second Corinthians four two, we refuse to wear masks and play games, rather we keep everything we do and say out in the open. In other words, it's exposed, the truth on display, so that those who want to see can see. If you don't live authentically, you live a lie. You're a phony. You're trying to be someone that you're not. And honestly, it's kind of comical. It's kind of funny that you try to be someone that you're not. But this is no laughing matter when people's souls and lives and eternities are at stake. Do you love yourself more? Or do you love God and others so much that you're willing to risk being exposed to bring them into the light? Sorry, I forgot I had a mic. <laughs> uh, the reason you fear exposure that you'll be found out and that the real you is going to come out is because of an even deeper fear. And that second fear is the one that destroys our relationships. So beneath the fear of exposure is the second one, the fear of rejection. That fear keeps us from being authentic. Why are we so afraid of being rejected? If I really lay it out and I don't show you my image, but I show you who I really am, and you happen to not like it or disapprove of it, then I'm just a total reject. And it just confirms everything that I think about myself, right? We don't want to let people get that close to us because we're just so afraid of that rejection. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says that the fear of human opinion disables. And that's true because it's in God's word, and it tells us that everybody in this room would be disabled Because of that fear, we all fear human opinion in some kind of degree. For some, it's a whole lot more than others, but in some kind of degree. 
there's not one person that's immune to that. And if you spend your life just trying to earn that acceptance, um, we, we, we try to do that in the way we dress, the way we talk, the kind of car we drive, the kind of home we have. Um, it's, we are just totally seeking the approval of other people, and that can also be very exhausting if we're not trying to seek God's approval above everything else. Um, why do we do that so much? Because we fear these opinions of other people, sometimes even total strangers. We just have this such deep desire to be loved. We all have that desire, and we were, we were created by God to be loved, and to be loved by God and be loved by other people. Um, it's funny, Hannah came to my room last night, I don't know where she is, but she picked up Penny, and she was like, do you know that my whole family, we just love you so very much? And Penny was like, Why? I don't know where that came from. She's like almost three. <laughs> but that that really is like we think that to ourselves a lot of times. I know the, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but when TC told me that he loved me, I was like, what? And I just started crying. And I was, she said. Hold on, hold okay. on. I was about to say, do not leave it at I just that. started crying, okay. and I was like, why would you say that to me? Like, why would you do that? Did you think about how that would make me feel? <laughs> what is wrong? Well, like you thought the same thing, but whatever. All right. I'm just a little crazy. It's fine. So I, I just freaked out because that, all I could think of was like, you don't really mean that. Like, why, why would you say that? And I know that that's something for us that whether you've been around for a little bit or a long time, sometimes it can be really hard to fight that. You know, like sometimes we might say in passing, like, oh, yeah, I love you. And we can think now, like, oh, it's just what we say to each other. Like, do they really, really mean that? And that, that really is such a deep need by God. And that's something that we have to fight for from him and for and from each other. Um, none of us in this room have ever experienced perfect, unconditional love because we're not in that place yet. We're in this imperfect world. And when you have two imperfect people together and they think they're going to have a perfect relationship or friendship or whatever, that just doesn't happen. Um, it's called the honeymoon phase, and it doesn't last too long. Um, but we know that our love can be conditional because we're so flawed. And um, we just get so scared of how to show that, how to express that to other people, how to accept that from other people, and are just so afraid that if we don't, what if they don't accept us? Um, if we do learn, though, that God loves us unconditionally and we really, really fight to soak that in and believe it and trust him, it can give such great confidence. I know that's something for myself that helped a ton. I just tried to get confidence in so many other areas. I tried to will it to myself. Like, you will be confident. Like, you know, this is, you can do it. Like, go you. Like, all that self-help crap that doesn't really work. Um, but it really, it's from God. It has to be from God. And just that fight to trust him and believe the people around you that, what, like, what do they have to gain by telling you these things about how God made you in his image and made you to be amazing and do amazing things? Why would they say that to you if it's not true? They don't want to waste their time. So, of course, it's true. Um, because God's love for me is not based on what I do or how I am or who I am. It's based on him and his unconditional love. And a lot of studies have shown that our self-esteem isn't largely how we feel about ourselves, but, de but determined by who the most important person in our lives thinks about us. That's a lot to think about. 
And I know for a lot of us, that's how, why when we think about how we grew up, we have such issues with self-esteem. And it is one of those things like, you know, hurt people, hurt people who hurt people, and people who don't know how to love, don't know how to love people who don't know how to, just, you know, all those ongoing things. But God really does, he knows us completely. So we have to make Christ the most important person in our lives. Because if we do, we know that we know what he thinks of us, and we can try to fight to listen to that voice and not the voices that aren't true. And the cross proves that. It proves what God believes our value is because of how he made us. And we're made to be free and authentic because of what he has done. If you know me, you know that this lesson for me is out of weakness because I've had to fight for this for so long over the years. Um, When TC told me what our lesson was, I just kind of laughed because this is not not a natural strength of mine in any kind of way. And I've wasted too much time trying to fake it and trying to be perfect and all that stuff that just isn't real. Like, that's not how God made us. And just please don't let that be you. Um, I just beg you, don't waste time on that. Um, God and my friends have helped me so much with this, but I have not arrived in it yet, and I have to keep striving and keep fighting through all those things of when I want to hide, when life is hard, when I'm hurting, when I'm confused. But God is good and faithful, and that fight is well, well worth it. When, when Marie and I first started dating... Um, she used to say things like she'd leave a voice, oh, it's just Maria, it's just Maria. And I said to her, I was like, stop saying that. You're so much more than just Maria. And a lot of you guys and girls think, oh, it's just me. You're so much more than that. You're princes and princesses in the kingdom of heaven. God made you. Don't fear that. So the antidote for the fear of rejection is the trust in God's love. Don't build your self-worth on another person who loves you conditionally. You're like, no, I have people that love me unconditionally, and to an extent, that's true. But I can guarantee if you hurt someone enough, if you push them away enough, that love can change. But it doesn't change with Christ. He went to the cross knowing every bad thing that you would do. So when people say, I love you if you love me, hey, honey, I love you if you love me. I love you because you make me happy. I love you because you're good looking or you meet my needs. But what happens when she stops doing that stuff? Does that love change? A lot of times that's true. So we don't want to build our love on things that love us conditionally. We want to build our love and our, and our commitment and our lives on a God who loves us unconditionally. The Bible says this in Daniel 10, don't be afraid for you are deeply loved by God. You are deeply loved by God. Be at peace. Take heart and be strong. Man, that makes me feel good reading that. Because on a lot of days, I can be a big piece of crap. I can be a jerk, and I can be rude. I have my weaknesses. I try to grow in those. I try to repent. But man, I got a God who loves me through all that. You have a God who loves you through your worst, unconditionally. Psalms 56.11, I trust in God, so I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? The more you realize how much Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally, the more you feel it. It's not in your head, but in your whole body, in your soul, and in your gut. You can feel loved unconditionally, and it has this way of driving us through fear. 
There is no fear in love. And we have people in our ministry that, that fight through this. You know, Bianca, single her out, right? Bianca is someone who for a long time thought that love was like conditional by God, and she's really fought through that. And she was a girl that was like, not just arm's length, but I'm going to keep you like, like as far away as I can. And then she started to realize that, man, God loves me. God loves me through my crazy times and my hard-headedness and my stubbornness, right? And God's people loves me through that. You start to see that wall come down and her heart soften up, and she changed. And I need to send Rocky Four. Because if eyes can change and yous can change, then we can all change, right? One of the greatest movie lines of all time. Yo, Adrian, we did it, right? If we can do it, you can do it. Because we are two of the most hard-headed people on the planet. No, what was that? <laughs> All right. So beneath your fear of being exposed and your fear of rejection is the deepest fear of all. Number three, the fear of being hurt again. The fear of being hurt again. Here's the truth in your life. You're going to be hurt a lot of times, especially in ministry. You're going to be hurt Right when I became a cell leader, like I, I might not have even been a cell leader, but I got my, like my first guy. His name was Jeff. And Jeff was a wiry dude. And for whatever reason, things went sideways, like real sideways. I don't even know why. Like I, I was doing my best. I wasn't perfect. I was trying to love Jeff. For whatever reason, I just went completely sideways. Right? And I get this MySpace message from Jeff. This is how long ago it was, MySpace. All right, your top 10. I got booted out of his top 10 list pretty quick. All right? And so I get this MySpace message, and it begins to tear me apart as a leader. You call yourself a shepherd, which I never and probably will never call myself that. You call yourself a shepherd. You're not shepherding anyone. You say you love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. And he went on and on and on and on. And I was so excited and so gung-ho to lead and just be in God's kingdom and help people. That was my first exposure to, like, being hurt in ministry. You know, you guys, man, I'm a wrestler. You may not know this, but I am emotional. I cried. Like, fetal position cried. And I cried and I cried. Because all I wanted to do was help this guy and help him get to know Jesus. And I said, if this is what ministry is like, I don't want to do it. I can't do this again. And I cried. And Maria was comforting me, and Carrie was comforting me, and Juan was comforting me. And they were like, hey, it gets better. What if I had given up? Right there, what if I had given up and said, I don't want to be hurt anymore? Now, God could have raised someone else up. Certainly, yes. But if you're here now, and this isn't just because of me, but the ripple effect, right? Someone that I helped, Chuck, Matt, Evan, Mitch, Cody, Brian Williams, those guys don't get the relationship and they're not helping me and I'm not helping them. So if you've got an empty seat in your room or in the bus, just imagine that person that could be sitting next to you that if you give up, you're not going to help. And I can tell you, I would take a thousand more Jeffs to get one more like Evan or Brian or Chuck or Matt or any of those guys, one more Darius, Theo, any of you, I'd do a thousand more times that hurt again to help one more person. 
because it's worth it. Eternity is at stake, and we can't let our fear of being hurt stop us. Jesus went to the cross for it, and he says that we daily pick up our cross and we follow him because we must be authentic. We must be real. People's lives and eternities are at stake. And I've seen this over and over again. You get hurt, so you start to pull back. You stop answering at cross chat. You stop sharing your faith. Because if I can build a wall, no one else can hurt me. If I make it tall enough and thick enough, no one can do what that person did to me again. And God says, no, I came and I died for all that. you got to risk being hurt again. I know it hurts, but you got a God who loves you, and you got a church of people around you that are going to pick up your arms just like they did with me and said, you know what? You can keep going. God loves you. And they're going to walk life with you. And they're going to help you through it. you got to be able to risk leaving yourself vulnerable. In Ecclesiastes 5.17, all they get are days full of sadness and sorrow. And they end up sick, defeated and angry. What happens? Our heart can grow cold when we're hurt. In Psalm 27.21, my heart grew embittered and my affections dried up. Don't let your heart grow embittered. Don't let your affections dry up. Stay soft and be willing to risk being hurt again. So to wrap up, how do I learn how to love again when I've been hurt? Ezekiel 36, 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone. Such an incredible passage. And we see people around us, and hopefully you've experienced this for yourself or might soon. Um, if the more you fight to give your life over to God, how God can remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And just fighting for that vulnerability and that authenticity, um, like I said, it's well, well worth the fight. And I'm just begging you to open up. And just as we see in that example from Christ of how he was vulnerable for us on the cross, he wants us to open our arms wide to others and to him and be vulnerable in that way to him and the people in our lives. All right, let's wrap this up with a prayer, and then you guys can take a five-minute bathroom break, and you'll be called back with a song, but stay in this area. You want to pray real quick, honey? Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for um, this retreat and just for being able to make this happen, God. I know that we didn't know if this we were going to be able to make it, um, and we're just so grateful, Lord, for the things that you do for us, for who you are, how big you are, God, the sacrifices that you made and the example we see in that vulnerability. And I pray for everybody in here, God, that you'll help us to fight to be vulnerable and authentic with you and with other people so we can grow your kingdom. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.